0: everyone, this is Jules, your host of the All Things Iceland podcast. Welcome to this week's episode, Why I sat down to chat with Tyler Wacker about his incredible cycling journey from California to Isafjordur in the West Fjords of Iceland. For those of you that don't follow me on Instagram, I am currently in Fjordur taking Icelandic courses. Coincidentally, Tyler is in the same school as I am, even though he is studying something completely different than me. After I saw the news article with Tyler and that he would be at the same school as me, I had to reach out to see if I could talk to him about his amazing journey. So I'll just start off with giving you a little background about him. After working in the transportation engineering industry for six years and feeling unfulfilled with his work, Tyler decided it was time to set off on a bicycle tour around the perimeter of the United States, starting and ending in San Francisco, where he was currently living. The goals he had set for the journey were to assess where his life was and figure out how best to use his hands to address the climate crisis. Having mentally and physically prepared through a variety of endurance sports over the past few years, his new lifestyle came almost naturally until COVID forced him to pause his tour. After sheltering in place for 10 weeks, he set off on his bike again, but had revised his plan after he learned he had been accepted into the University Center of the West Fjords in Isafirur. He would now bike from Texas to Minneapolis and then to Boston to catch a flight to Kaplavik and bike six days through Iceland to his new home. During the interview, we dive into Tyler's experience cycling in the U.S. and in Iceland. So he started off In the U.S., pre-COVID, then COVID hits, he has to deal with that. And then coming to Iceland and dealing with those circumstances as well. We also talked about some of the challenges that he faced, the positive experiences he had, and more. I hope you enjoy this interview just as much as I did. I certainly found it inspiring and also just fascinating to meet someone who has done something like this. If you are enjoying the podcast, I think you'll love the exclusive content I'm doing in the All Things Iceland community on Patreon. For those not familiar with Patreon, it's a membership platform that has been around since 2013. There are different tiers of membership. Every month, I'm doing Ask Me Anything sessions, live chats, posting exclusive content about Iceland only on that platform, and more. To check out and join, you go to patreon.com forward slash Iceland. There's also a link to the platform in the show notes of this episode. Tyler. Jules. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sitting down with me to chat. Kind of on short notice. We basically just learned about each other recently. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Being flexible, being here in Issa yeah. And In the same school. Yeah. By chance.
1: Very, <laughs> such a coincidence. Yeah.
0: And I'm excited because when I read about your story in the news, I was fascinated that someone would want to cycle <laughs> all this distance. <laughs> but come to find out, it, it wasn't that simple. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to go from California to Isafirud. It was more, you know, the journey that happened for you. So, but before we jump into that, I'm kind of wondering about the events that led up to you saying, in the first place, I'm going to get on my bike and cycle in the U.S. to many different places.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, It's been a long time, I would say, that I've been kind of developing this idea to take a break from work. And so previously, I was a transportation engineer where I planned and designed facilities to... Um, bicycle and pedestrian facilities to connect people to transit. Through that work, which I really enjoyed and I was doing in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, I was just kind of reaching a point in my career where I had to make this decision that this was what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And I wasn't ready to make that decision. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for the past two or three years, I've kind of had this idea that I was going to do something in 2020. Mm -hmm. I thought I was gonna sail off into the sunset on a sailboat from San Francisco um, but I just realized I didn't have the funds to do that at the time and I would have to had I would have had to work for a few more years and I had already mentally put this time frame in my mind. Okay. So I was pretty good at biking. I was pretty good at camping and it's a lot cheaper to bike. (laughs) Uh, than it is to sail. I would know. assume so. Yeah. So <laughs> you don't have to buy a hundred thousand dollar boat to yeah. do so. And so really I did all this mental training, living in small spaces, okay. um, did a lot of biking, done, did a lot of running um, just to get mentally ready for something. And quitting my job and biking around America was the fastest way to have a journey like this.
0: Wow. Okay. <laughs> and why 2020? Just out of you know, curiosity, because I'm granted, to be honest, I understand like this year well, before it's, you know, people knew what was going to be happening, right? And all these like crazy, ridiculous things have been going (laughs) on. There is something that feels special about 2020. I mean, there's like, you know, obviously, you know, hindsight is 2020. There's all these like phrases that have to do with it. And it's this number that I think just in balance feels like it's big for change, right?
1: It is. Yeah. Um, Personally, for me, um, I kind of live life a year at a time Mm -hmm. and I, I kind of start assessing uh, what I want to do next year, kind of, Four months before the new year rolls around. And this year I coincidentally turned 30 as well. Um, And not saying that that was like, oh my gosh, I have to do something before I turn 30, but Mm -hmm. it just felt like a good time to do something. And just 20, it just has that nice ring to it. And um, (laughs) I like even numbers.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And 30 is a big time. I mean, people don't necessarily think of it, but like it's a transitive time for many people. Yeah. Not necessarily everybody, but. And I think in our society, too, especially in the U.S., we put emphasis on it. So maybe it was just in the back of your mind, you yeah. know, as this thing.
1: Yeah, we really do. People are so stuck on 30. Yeah. And so I don't want it to seem like I was stuck on 30 in a way. But, but yeah, it was the right time to do something. Yeah. Well,
0: that's good that it felt good. Yeah. Which is important.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I'm wondering about, like, Iceland in France. Because we're going to get back to your journey in the United States. Yeah. But had you been to Iceland before? Yeah,
1: I visited in 2017 okay. when Wild Air was still...
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> much <laughs> it was still cheaper. Like,
1: <laughs> very cheap to get here. Um, and so my brother and a friend um, and I, we flew out here and we came for like four days. It was just this crash course. Okay. In Iceland. <laughs> and so we basically just drove around and did the Golden Circle and hung out in Reykjavik. And... Did a few walking tours in Reykjavik, learned about the history, about how environmentally conscious mm-hmm. Iceland is through their geothermal energy and renewable energy. Um, so that was really interesting to learn about. After that, I, this, is, this is exactly how I got here. I got a Facebook ad for a college in the Westfjords. And I think at the time it was just coastal and marine management. Okay. I had been thinking about ways to get more involved with the water side, of like engineering and communities and things like that with yeah. climate change and sea level rise. I had thought about going back to school for, for a number of years. And so in 2017, I found this program and I just started following it year after year mm-hmm. after year. And this was the, the year that made sense to apply. And I researched Issa Fierter and how much it cost and everything. It really made sense. And they developed a coastal communities and regional development program uh, between the period that I founded and now. And so I'm in the second year of that. Um, at least for the program itself. Okay. Yeah. So I, I got all my ducks in a row and I actually applied on the road, Mm -hmm. um, from
0: in America. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because, because like you mentioned, you thought about this before, so it's been on your mind and then you just decided to pull the trigger in essence.
1: Yeah. 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 Pretty much. It was kind of an idea when I, when I quit my job, it was like, okay, my original plan was to bike around america starting and ending in san francisco so it's kind of like around the perimeter of america yeah. per se after that kind of plan a was to apply for grad school here plan b was to make it back to san francisco and figure out something yeah um then plan c was to just find a town that i enjoyed and plan some routes there and figure out life so in some ways you were point.
0: scouting places oh, <laughs> to live okay yeah yeah, yeah. If there was a place like
1: uh that i wanted to stop at and live at for a few months or a few years yeah. that, that was on the table
0: oh okay interesting yeah all right what about the west fjords have you been to the west fjords in iceland Not at all. Now? no because in four days i mean it would be yeah. like ridiculous to try to come up here and see other things right uh, okay. So you were taking, you know, a chance in that not having been to ESAP yet, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and only a few days in Iceland. Yeah. Okay.
1: And I guess the other connection I had, of course, followed Chris Card on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and he had done some work out here with Aurora Artica, mm-hmm. and so I found Aurora Artica, mm-hmm. and it took me like a year or two to figure out that Aurora Artica was at the same place as the university.
0: Ah, okay.
1: and so that clicked for me and I had just seen a lot of their photos and what they were doing around the area and so it all just kind of like oh I, I know this place yeah so that all kind of clicked
0: yeah and um, did you see that he was biking across Iceland yeah, yeah. <laughs> isn't that kind of an interesting coincidence <laughs> as well <laughs> yeah
1: super cool yeah. Uh, he went for the the furthest east point to the furthest yeah. west point over going
0: through the highlands like that's intense yeah that's a lot. I mean, you, what you did was also intense. It's like I mean, <laughs> equally intense, just very different journeys. Right. You
1: know? Right. His was such, uh, so jam-packed yeah. and like nine days of just intense biking. Yeah. Um, and mine was a little bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> a little more relaxed. The scenic route. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Okay. And in terms of cycling and traveling in the United States, because you started pre- Covid lockdown, or you know, whenever people weren't taking it seriously in January, basically. No, not at all. That there wasn't even talk about it really. And how was that when you started off on your journey pre-Covid? Yeah, yeah. So
1: I started January 18th, and I went south from San San Francisco to San Diego, and then from there I was going to go across the country to Florida. So San Diego to Florida, Mm -hmm. and. I had left San Diego and that was kind of. I rode from San Francisco to San Diego with some friends. Okay. And then so I was on my own starting in San Diego. And like f- maybe five days into my solo journey, I met another person who okay. was going in the same direction as me. Interesting. And so he was from Canada. Um, his name is Ian. And we, we rode together for three or four days. We split at Phoenix, but it was, you know, end of January, beginning of February. And I distinctly remember uh, we had stopped for a beer somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Arizona. Yeah. And we both got Corona, and you got you can jump No, in... we got Corona beer. Oh,
0: oh I, was like, I was like, wait, what? No. <laughs> like, that would be terrible. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and over this Corona beer, we yeah. just talked about like what's going on in the world with coronavirus because that's mm. when it really started to like get on our radar a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then I would say for the next. Through February, I wasn't really worried about it, but then once kind of middle of March came around, um, I was in Texas, and I'm originally from Texas, and so I took this roundabout loop to see a bunch of friends in a bunch of different cities—Houston, Austin, Dallas—and I was having these get-togethers, and I was presenting kind of what I was doing and how much money I had been spending on the road and things like that, and. By the end, the last one was in Dallas, and it, I was just on the fence of, like, should we even have this get-together? Like, should I really bring all my friends to one place with right. this virus out there? And a, f- a few people came, a few people stayed home because of because of COVID, yeah. um, which was totally fair and the right thing to do. And I was personally worried to have this event right. and have people come together. But after that, I, I left Dallas and kind of went south, kind of back by myself, and I made it to Jasper, Texas, which is almost on the Louis- almost the Louisiana. Okay. And I, I took like 4 days off and I just cuz COVID was very prevalent at that point. Mm. Things were starting to shut down and it was starting to get serious and I took 4 days to really think about it and devise a new plan. Like yeah. I once I finally left from that campground, I was like, "Okay, I'm going to go to Walmart. Stock up on groceries for yeah. 2 weeks and I mapped out all these off-the-grid campsites okay. where I could sleep and really just not interact with anyone. I left that day, I crossed into Louisiana, and I was staying at a museum. Like, uh, out, I could camp outside this museum okay. in Maryville, Louisiana. Okay. And it was five miles into Louisiana. And I, I ride on airplane mode throughout the day I just turn off my phone and just have no distractions and
0: so you're just focusing on cycling yeah just
1: cycling and thinking and listening to music and so when I turned my phone on it was I had found out that Louisiana had issued a shelter in place that day and so my support team which my friends and family um, were just like you should probably get off the road and I kind of agreed with them because services were really shutting down in front of me. And Florida was one of the early hotspots and was a little nervous to go into Florida. Yeah, I
0: understand that.
1: Yeah, all the campgrounds were closing, uh, threats of grocery stores closing. We just nobody knew what was going on. And so from there, my my dad came and picked me up. Um, So being from Texas, he was only about four or five hours away. And so he picked me up and I, I went to my parents' house. I, I stayed there for, for 10 weeks.
0: Wow. Okay. And really derailed your Yeah, really plans. derailed.
1: And so, I mean, I had the whole journey planned out, and I thought I was going to be able to catch up and get back on track, yeah. and I'll get on the road next week, and next week, and yeah. next week, and it just came this constant delay.
0: Yeah.
1: But luckily, I found out that I had been accepted to this program pretty much like a week after I, I got home.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, and early home to Texas. Home to Texas. Yeah. and so that was like early April. Okay. That I uh, heard that I was accepted to this yeah, program, which yeah. is exciting. Yeah. So was like <laughs> which is I that was that was I was very fortunate for that to happen, um, and very excited at the same okay. time.
0: And from then you were like, yeah, and I'm gonna cycle. You know what I mean? Like that? Is that did you immediately have this idea that that's what I'm gonna do from after I'm able to leave here? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't like hesitation about weather or COVID even or any of that stuff like what was it what was going through your mind
1: so I still I was in Texas and I was still figuring out how to get where I needed to be yeah on my journey because I wanted to get back on the road basically my constraints were I had to be in Minnesota to meet some friends for a camping trip at like the end of June and by this time I think it's getting closer to end of May okay and so basically that's like a month-long journey from Texas Um, And so I kind of had this fixed date of when I, the latest I needed to leave Texas to make it there in time. Yeah. And so I, I did that. And basically I decided to fly to Iceland from Boston. Okay. And so that was my ending point, at least in America. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty fair though. I mean like, I'm not going to (laughs) like... get on a boat now you know, this is yeah, something right. not, not that it's ridiculous but just much maybe much harder than it needs to be at this point yeah
1: yeah yeah you definitely have to have a lot of time to take a boat across and yeah. find the right boat and all those things yeah exactly um, <laughs> and so I, I yeah i basically had to be in minneapolis uh to see some friends and then boston to finish to okay. catch a flight and so those were my constraints and i i left texas biked straight north to minneapolis all and right. Went camping for a week in the Boundary Waters, nice. um, which is on the border of Canada and Minnesota. Just pristine ponds and mm-hmm. lakes, and great fishing, and pretty much like every picture you see of a canoe in a wilderness. Yeah,
0: it's, it's like <laughs> taken there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and as you, when you set off, did you encounter any more issues regarding? covid and traveling or was it just like because you were off the grid or trying to be in campsites that were away from people that it was okay yeah
1: so that first leg from texas to minneapolis was very much like okay i'm not gonna talk to anyone i'm just gonna camp by myself pre-covid i was utilizing a kind of like a couch surfing community for bike tours Mm -hmm. it's called warm showers oh okay So I was utilizing that, staying in people's houses, everybody invites you in, they cook you dinner, cook you breakfast, give you coffee, it's it's super nice, like amazing, like brings you back to life, basically, from being on the road. And I knew I I couldn't do that, at least during that first leg, because so much stuff was still going on, cases were increasing, like, I just found it. And there's just that um, the possibility that you have it, and so you're going from town to town every day. Right. So I could have been spreading it as well, and so I really made it a point to really limit my interactions, wear mask wherever I went, even though I was in some more conservative states and yeah. they didn't have mask laws at the time. And so I was definitely taking precautions yeah. in regards to COVID, and I avoided major cities. Okay. Um, but pretty much that period was biking and camping yeah and that right. was pretty much it there wasn't a lot of other things
0: to do yeah. really was it physically grueling for you to do this
1: yeah so i i will also say that when i left texas again i got like mild heat exhaustion oh. and so this is like the first day leaving my parents house in texas and yeah uh, my good friend Aga lives in Austin. Okay. And my parents live about 130 miles away from that and we were going to meet in the middle and then bike back to Austin together.
0: Okay.
1: And so within that 65 miles I was just suffering from like heat exhaustion. I had this pain in my chest, which has never happened to me before wow. in biking. And I, I honestly thought I had COVID um, okay. at the time. And so I met up with my friend and I was like, Hey, stay away. Like, yeah. I don't feel good at all. This has never happened to me. This is really scary. And so I, we hung out for maybe an hour. Um, just kind of like regaining consciousness for myself. Yeah, yeah. He went on his, his way back to Austin and I, I grabbed a hotel uh, for that night to really just, I needed to sleep. And yeah. so I went to bed at, you know, 7 PM and yeah. slept for 14 hours or whatever. And, um, the same thing happened again the next day, Ooh. um, where I was just mentally, physically exhausted, wasn't feeling good. And then a friend, a different friend from Austin came and picked me up. Okay. Um, and I was about 40 miles away from Austin. It was definitely scary. Because I, I didn't know at the time right. what it was. But I, I generally felt better in the morning. Okay. And so it wasn't like this constant like sickness. And so I, I, then I the next few days, I was still on the road. And I had to push through this huge mental boundary or physical boundary, too, that I had on me.
0: Yeah.
1: And luckily, I was able to push through. Okay. And I got back on the road and things were going well. I was a little bit behind schedule, but it was fine. Yeah. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And so I, I kind of associate that to... Being at the point, like you're still in the point of return, you, mm-hmm. have, to, you have to get past that point of no return. And mm-hmm. I also wasn't making the right choices in terms of clothing. Okay. Previously, I was riding in the winter, January through March. Right. It's cold. You can wear long sleeves and be fine and get some protection from the sun. But now that it was early June in Texas, Aye. you can't, okay. <laughs> can't really ride with long sleeves and things right. like that. And so I switched up my clothing, went to short sleeves, took a, a a lot more breaks, okay. a lot more water, Gatorade, things like that. Because that pretty, made a difference. Yeah, yeah, taking more breaks really was okay. was the key because it was just due to the temperature yeah. that I was experiencing, okay. and I was just used to riding through cooler temperatures, not sweating as much, not right. losing a lot of water, and um, so that was that was a big adjustment.
0: All right, I'm glad that happened. Meaning, yeah. like you. <laughs> figured out what it was and it wasn't COVID because that would suck yeah. so bad. It probably would have derailed you being able to come here as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of the biggest scare setting off again is getting COVID. Yeah. Somewhere along the road, being far from home, far from friends. Like it doesn't... COVID in a tent doesn't sound no.
0: <laughs> it <fun>. sounds- <laughs> Exactly. It's like... Of all the places that you need to recover, that's probably not the best one <laughs> to do it in. <laughs> Maybe because it's especially if the temperatures are varying so much, mm-hmm. then your body is like going through all these changes in a setting that isn't necessarily making it comfortable, right? So yeah, yeah then you would probably end up in the hospital. Probably you know? so. So okay, well I'm glad that it didn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> and you got on the plane in Boston.
1: Yeah, yeah, and. Then
0: you arrived in Iceland.
1: Yeah, I arrived in Iceland. I guess before that, when I was in Texas still, I had shipped a few things Mm. ahead to Boston. Okay, that's good. (laughs) Yeah, so I shipped a a backpack full of like kind of the important things I needed for grad school in case something happened on the road to all of my things. It's like laptop, iPad. I thought about shipping my passport in there, but I ended up carrying it with me the entire time. And then basically all of my papers... That I needed to enter the country, uh, we're in that backpack as well, and then I decided I was going to get a new bike for Iceland. Okay, and so I was riding a road bike style throughout America, mainly for it was like all roads, all pavement, pretty much. Okay, but Iceland being a little bit different, having these hills around here too, I knew I wanted like a mountain bike to take off road. Okay, once I got here, yeah, and so I I shipped that to Boston. So once I made it to Boston, I had to ship my other bike home, okay. and then basically, it's the first time I had seen this bike, was sitting in my buddy's basement in Boston in a box. Interesting. But yeah, I just put it on the plane, and <laughs> <laughs> flew to Iceland, okay. um, landed at like 6 in the morning or yeah. something. it's a little
0: bit of a brutal like because you're not really sleeping and it's too short to
1: really sleep on and even if you sleep the whole time it's still not enough right yeah exactly (laughs) because you're on
0: a plane I mean it's just yeah yeah
1: okay and so I had all my my things and my bike and the airport here is really cool because they have a place that you can assemble your bike and i put it together for the first time, gave Good. a few test spins. I did run into a pretty, well, I thought it was going to be a major issue okay. there where I had a, a mini pump to pump up my tires, okay. uh, but it broke oh, <laughs> at the airport. Okay, um, And so my, I think I had one inflated, but the other one was completely flat and they have some air pumps in the bike pit there, mm-hmm. but I just couldn't get it to work. It okay. didn't really mesh with my bike. And so I was asking around and like, well, I guess I should say I had had my first COVID. I got my test at the airport. And so, you know, you're it up your nose and touch your brain
0: with it. the nasal one is the worst. Uh, (laughs) It's it's, like makes you cry a little bit. It feels mean. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I was, you know, actually recovering from that experience and... The trauma. The the trauma. (laughs) (laughs) And... Uh, I started asking around, asking the airport, like, hey, I'm trying to bike, like, I can't get my tire inflated, yeah. the pump's not working in there, and I ended up, like, waiting around for a little bit, and some more cyclists showed up with their bikes, okay. and so they had another, like, mini pump oh, that, nice. I, that, I was, nice. that I was able to use and get on the road. Great. And, and then? And then I just took off to Reykjavik. Yeah. And um,
0: how was that? <laughs> was, the
1: first day was great. Okay. I had a, had a little bit
0: of a tailwind. Okay. Um, That's nice. Yeah. Pushing you forward. Yeah, pushing you forward.
1: <laughs> and the highway there is a little sketchy mm-hmm. for cyclists, <laughs> um, but it was okay. I actually, I got off onto a dirt road for a little while okay. to test out my, my new mountain bike. Yeah.
0: Was it up to the test? Do you feel?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, huge confidence boost to nice. be able to ride that road that I did. I was carrying a backpack at the time, because basically I I carried everything that I owned on my bicycle from the airport to Reykjavik.
0: Okay, even your laptop and everything.
1: Yeah. Wow. And so that day it was like 35 miles or so, but then luckily a classmate offered to take my backpack for me. Okay. But I still had pretty much everything else on my bike. I had four bags that were filled with food, tools, clothes, tent, sleeping bag, all the essentials for the trip. Okay.
0: And did you do your classmates know before you were coming that you were doing this trip? Yeah, we have a fa- we had a Facebook group. Okay, and we yeah. Do have a so I was wondering. Group. I was like, how did you meet up with your yeah. classmates? You like on the same plane or something. No. Okay. We
1: had, we had a little in- introduction uh, Zoom Zoom call. Got it. Okay. Before, so we kind of got to meet a few people, and yeah, basically reached out and said, "Hey, can somebody take a backpack for me?"
0: That's super nice that someone was willing to do that. Yeah,
1: very nice. It, it worked out well. Great, because you don't you don't want a lot of weight on your back when yeah. you ride. It's like I've done it before on previous trips, and yeah. it's just not that fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound too fun. It's like weighing you down, but also I guess like your movement and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It hurts the back.
0: Yeah. Okay, and <laughs> just wondering, was there a difference between COVID and experiencing that in the US and cycling different places, and then coming to Iceland because? we were, we've been going through a second wave. Now granted, I don't remember, I'm not sure if it was when you came that, that it already started or not. It's, I think it was this is like on the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Increasing slightly. So what was that like? Were, were you noticing any differences between your experience being on the bike, having to go places? Were you camping or were you? Doing yeah. Things? After
1: Reykjavik, I was camping. Okay. So I stayed in a hostel in okay. downtown Reykjavik. Um, and they wouldn't let me in until I got my COVID results.
0: Oh wow, okay, there you go. Yeah. Okay.
1: And so it luckily it came back negative and so I had a place to stay and okay. but after that the next five nights were camping on the road. Okay. And it's definitely a transition. Yeah. Um, being so cautious in America, wearing a mask, hand sanitizing. Like I I stayed in my buddy's house in boston and i wore a mask inside his house because he had roommates and everything like that and and then coming here and nobody's wearing a mask it's just (laughs) great and like super excited that iceland has done what they have for covid Mm -hmm. but there's still that transition period of personal space i think (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I, while well, I was used to like literally just awkwardly avoiding everyone in America, like putting the head down, yeah, and, like, I can't be on the same grocery store aisle as you. Like I'm gonna wait until you leave the convenience store before I even walk in. Yeah. to to come in here and people are a little bit closer.
0: <laughs> and this is with COVID times. Like, so imagine yeah. when it's not, it right. was so funny is that like, there's so much space here yeah. and yet people seem to just like gravitate to the next person. Yeah. For some reason. <laughs> and so it's like, okay.
1: And I was still technically, uh, I still had to quarantine somewhat. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't like full blown quarantine. Like it is now yeah. but for the next five days, I was supposed to be in like limited quarantine. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't shake anybody's hands. I couldn't hug anybody or anything. So there's still that, that period, like it wasn't completely over yet. Yeah. Um, and it never will be. There's still effects and scares and a lot of things happening with COVID that will affect us for the
0: rest of our lives, I guess. Yeah. I mean, definitely, especially those people I mean, society-wise, it's shifting people's minds. But then there's the people who, are, who have gotten COVID and are long haulers, they're calling them. Or, okay, maybe you haven't heard I about this. this. Yeah, so it's people who are feeling the effects of COVID after the virus is no longer like attacking their system. Mm. But they're still feeling lethargic. They're still having a hard time going back to the activities that they used to do if they were really athletic. And it's just like a variety of people, from people who were super athletic to maybe people who didn't do as much. And you just never know if you'll be that person because there are people who get it and like, you know, after a couple of weeks, they're fine for the most part. Yeah. And there's some people who are like, they just don't feel right. And it's taking them many months to even feel somewhat normal again. Mm. So that part is a little scary as well. Yeah, that's absolutely scary. And that's how, I mean, there are people in Iceland who are experiencing this. Mm. I hear about more in the U.S. because there are more cases, of yeah. course. Right? So it's just <laughs> like, ah. But such is life. Regarding from Reykjavik to Ísat, because mm. that's quite a journey. Yeah, And there's mountains, there's cars. Like you're saying, it's it's different in general. I mean... There are one-lane bridges, like there's like so many things. So, yeah. walk us through a bit of your journey, and and how is the weather? <laughs> <laughs> like the notorious Icelandic weather.
1: Um, but, yeah, yeah, I did not get great weather after that first day, yeah. and so I think I I left in the rain from Reykjavik, and basically it was I I biked across America with this like rain suit, like rain jacket, rain pants, uh, shoe covers. Yeah. And I probably used it twice okay. over 126 days of biking in America. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I took it off here. Like I, Whoa. I, yeah. Okay, you're living in your <laughs> rain suit. I was living in the rain suit. And I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it came in handy. It, it worked well here. Yeah, great. Um, so that was, I think the first day was really kind of figuring it out. Um, There's a bunch, it wasn't like, downpour rain but rain combined with wind and um, getting outside the city and yeah. really getting off the grid a little bit first day was interesting because you have two options you can somehow go through the tunnel north of Reykjavik mm-hmm. or you, like in a car yeah or bike around it which adds like 50 kilometers to your mm-hmm. trip and I'm already doing like a 50 no like a 80 kilometer day and so to make that 130 kilometers in Iceland as yeah. a first day wasn't really attractive to me. Yeah. And so I, I hitchhiked through the tunnel. Nice.
0: Okay. <laughs> and someone was like, sure. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. A local nice. named Bjorn. He, think it's bear. <laughs> That's what it stands for. The bear picked you up. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he was super nice. And he was like, I was like, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. just flew in from america
0: (laughs) i'm sure that made him very very Um, comfortable it's like oh okay he was
1: like you don't have covid do you and i was like yeah i can't i I I was like i came back negative like it's okay (laughs) um and so it's like you know a a 10 minute ride through the tunnel yeah and he was super nice we had a a great conversation and kept going from there and i think i went to to borganus the first Mm -hmm. day and set up camp and the cool thing about biking in Iceland is there's a lot of other people doing it as well. And so I met a German right as soon as I got outside of Reykjavik. And then once I made it to Borgenes, there was like two other bikers there as well. They were already set up. They already had nice. you know, their tent set up and everything. And I met a few of them. I, there's quite a few Germans biking. Yeah. <laughs> in Iceland right now. So it's they're, just,
0: they're one of the few countries allowed in as right, well.
1: Right, right. So, yeah. And so that was, that was cool to see because in America, you... It, it's, it happens very rarely to see mm. other people who are doing the same thing as you.
0: Okay. Meaning biking specifically. Biking across
1: yeah. America. You see, um, like, maybe one or two a month.
0: Yeah, wow. It's
1: kind of as many people as I was seeing. But then now I saw, I'd, I'd seen like three people on my first day. Yeah. So that's, that's super cool to know that other people are out there. Right. Plus pushing through this weather and, <laughs> it makes you start to wonder like why? Yeah.
0: yeah. I was like, I'm thinking about too, were you ever in your mind, like, why am I doing this? Not, and not just that, or like, should I stop at some point?
1: Yeah. No, I was definitely fixated on, okay. on getting, getting here, um, uh, to Issa Theater And, um, there's definitely, well, there was one day. Okay. <laughs> and so I, I biked for three days, three or four days to Stickish Homer. Mm-hmm. Then I took the ferry across. And so that day I didn't bike that much. But then some other cyclists got on the ferry from Flatty. Yep. And we ended up talking. They were going to the same campsite as me. And so we, we got to hang out that night. And the next morning, Terrible weather. Mm. We ended up hanging out all morning and just, you know, debating whether to ride or not. Yeah. And so they ended up taking a rest day. Okay. But I, I took off. Okay. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so it's from Flokalander to Dinyandi. Yeah. And there's a giant hill in between those two. Mm. And it's also the first time that I was riding on gravel. Okay. And so it was a mixture of those two. It was probably about. 40 to 50 kilometer wind
0: Ooh. Uh,
1: headwind <laughs> Oh, oh no. combined so you're with,
0: like being pushed back all the
1: yeah it and it, it really kills all your momentum right. especially having bags on your bike and then you have the raincoat yeah. which is windproof and so that's just this sail basically
0: <laughs> <But> it's, <laughs> it's terrible yeah. and i can see it it looks yeah. visually it's really fascinating but it sounds terrible
1: right and so that day i only biked thirty or forty kilometers, I okay. think. But it was like the hardest day and I only I rode for three hours. Wow. And so it was up and over that hill into the wind with rain. There was clouds on top of the mountain. So like there was no visibility. Aww. Cars were passing me, it was muddy, it yeah, just everything. Yeah. Everything was happening. The
0: mix that you, yeah. <laughs> thankfully it wasn't winter though, right? <laughs> right? So like that would be the other, I guess,
1: annoying thing. Yeah. yeah. And so definitely I would say biking in Iceland is a lot harder than biking in America because in America there's a lot of roads. There's not too many hills. And the thing is the, the wind, yeah. I would say. And so in America, the wind is calm in the morning. It picks up in the afternoon yeah. and then it dies again at night. It happens every single day. Yeah. Here, <laughs> there's really no rhyme or reason. Yeah. And so I... I wasn't sure if my tent was gonna hold. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a couple of nights, it was definitely some some windy nights, and it was blowing my tent over. So I, after a few days, I figured out how to face it to the wind correctly, so it wouldn't like knock ah, itself over. Okay. But then the wind also shifts, and so <laughs> uh, I think the fourth night when I was at under, I had to wake up at like one in the morning and re- reorientate my my tent. Yeah and the wind's blowing pretty hard and you're taking your stakes out and you're just worried that your tent's going to fly off the yeah. cliff with all your no. stuff. <laughs> okay. Um, but luckily I, I was able to, to get it back in the ground and okay. fall back asleep.
0: <laughs> so your, your sleep was also interrupted and it must have been hard too, like having to do these grueling days and then at night you're still not getting any reprieve.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, there's definitely... I don't There's... Yeah, harder to relax with the wind, and I mean, my my, I have a decent tent, but it's really not made for the winds here. Okay, and so it's flapping, making noise. You're you're constantly waking up because of it.
0: Yeah.
1: Temperature-wise, it was okay though. Right. Um, I was I would say it wasn't too cold,
0: uh, which was nice. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Would you recommend for people to cycle here? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> like. <laughs> do it
1: again yeah. <laughs> so. um, I mean it really is just such a test yeah. mentally physically and while I biking in America was like I set the plan and I stuck to it mm-hmm. and I could do it like generally no matter what there was very few days that I didn't ride as far as I planned or uh, ended up where I or ended up where I didn't plan to be yeah because you knew what to expect and right sense, yeah. And so here, you definitely need to factor in a few more days to a little bit of a buffer because you don't know what the weather's going to do. Yeah. And so I probably should have stayed in my tent that one day climbing to <laughs> Dinyandi. Yeah. Um, but I was really determined to get here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I pushed on. But yeah, really factoring a little bit of flexibility because the weather here just changes so drastically mm-hmm. um, so fast. Yeah. And it's fine to take a rest day, yeah, and to to not bike as many miles as you plan to, because um, it really it really does affect you.
0: Yeah. When you got to Isafir how mm-hmm. did you feel? Like, what was the? You know, you we were just like, yes, or you we just so tired that you're like, screw it, I just want to go to <laughs> find a bed now. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there was a bed
1: waiting for me, so I nice. had, I moved in right away. Um, so it's from Dinyandi to here. Okay. And there was one. I thought there was two hills between here and Dinyandi and there are and I but the first one you have to go on the road okay uh to uh and from I made it to Thingri and it was you know lunchtime yeah I took like two hours to mentally prepare for like the (laughs) last hill before I made it to Isafjorda yeah and all my maps for I don't really do too much route planning or I don't really look into it too much I just know that there's a road and I can probably bike it and make it and so my map was showing me that I had to climb over uh, from, uh, the, th- the fl- I guess, the Flattery Fjord okay. to this fjord over the hill. Ooh. And as I got closer, I started to see this tunnel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh. And I didn't know if I could bike through it or not. Yeah. And so I, was, I kept looking for the no bike sign. Yeah. But then that wasn't there. And then Did you bike
0: in the tunnel? I biked through it. <laughs> it's like one lane <laughs> was, tunnel up yeah. there. So it's
1: this one lane tunnel, and I was so excited because it's actually coming from Flattery to Isafjordur mm. is downhill. And oh, I, okay. I was thinking I had to climb the biggest uh, hill of the entire trip.
0: Yeah,
1: and it turns out it was, I guess, half the size, oh, nice. um, maybe a quarter of the size that I actually had to climb. And you could and
0: pick up speed.
1: You could pick up speed. Yeah, um, you're sheltered in the tunnel. So I, I went downhill and then I popped out of the tunnel and Ysa Fiodor was waiting on the other side and
0: I just I cried a little bit. Oh, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I've made sweet. it <laughs> And were people in the tunnel who were driving, did you encounter any cars? You... Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I didn't know about the priority system when I went through. Okay. So in the one lane section, people going what, towards flattery, have to pull yeah. over. Mm-hmm. And so I was in the priority lane, so I could just keep going and right. didn't have to pull over. But I think there were a few instances where cars didn't really pull over for me, yeah. and we just kind of shared the space, yeah. which was a little sketchy. Yeah,
0: it's it's pretty scary, if, I feel like, for yeah. a cyclist. I mean, granted, you can't do it with a car, but for a cyclist, it's, it's too close. Yeah, and it's yeah. too close,
1: and people didn't really slow down yeah. to, like, a safe speed. They're still passing it, like
0: they might've been being uh, a little passive aggressive or maybe that's more aggressive, I guess. <laughs> they yeah. just like keep going <laughs> because they're just like, maybe they're in their minds they're thinking, cause I've never seen a cyclist in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Granted, it's not like I go through the tunnel often, right? but it's possible. They were like, oh, you're not supposed to be, you know what I mean? One of those yeah. kind of grumpy things that's dangerous to do to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially. i I don't know exactly what was going through their minds, but that's...
1: Or they thought that, oh, the cyclist is going through the tunnel, they must know what they're doing. So I'm just going to mm, Yeah, <laughs> drive that's the other it. way. <laughs> that
0: is another way of thinking of it, for <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> sure. So, and so you arrived, you... And I read in the article that you had to start like learning how to sleep in a bed again you yeah. know getting used to that oh, absolutely yeah that, that first
1: night i didn't sleep at all
0: <laughs> okay You're like where's my tent it's, <laughs> you, just, you finish this grand
1: adventure yeah. and it's like oh my gosh i i'm gonna live here for the next year yeah. i don't have to pack up tomorrow i don't have to think about my route or where i'm going and that turned into quite the task in, in my head yeah. itself and so yeah definitely an adjustment to to be warm, <laughs> I think I, I, I sweat sweated the entire night the yeah, first night, wow. and, but yeah, now um, getting in the swing of things, kind of transitioning back into real life from biking yeah. has been um, it's been good. You definitely hear of people who have a hard time transitioning back, especially from such a grand adventure in life, and but I I guess what I did differently or tried to do mentally was really just. I still interacted with people mm-hmm. a lot and I in a in a normal way. Yeah. It wasn't like biking was this huge party and like every night I was doing something that like I would never do in real life. Right, okay. It was like I was biking every day and then still, you know, having good conversations with people, still keeping kind of some sort of regular schedule and but yeah, now that school's started and, mm-hmm. and picking up it's it's getting a little overwhelming. Yeah. Um, not to like a super stressed out level yet, but it's just you don't have I don't know where the time goes anymore. Yeah, and true. so I don't I can't just bike and hang out.
0: Yeah. Anymore. I have
1: to <laughs> Go to class, read, make dinner, all these all these things yeah. that it feels like there's not a lot of time. It's like the everyday the life. Yeah, the everyday life stuff. stuff.
0: Yeah, whereas like... It's kind of funny. Did, did, so time felt differently to you when you were cycling. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That is fascinating.
1: Yeah, and once you... And there's like this period that you you know you have to get over, and you're like, okay, now I'm in it, mm-hmm. and I've I figured it out generally. And then after that, it's it's pretty freeing, yeah, because you really just have to focus on biking and eating and sleeping, and then whatever else you do, whatever else you want to do, yeah, that day. And now it's thing i have to do things
0: you have other responsibilities yeah <laughs> i guess that's the definition yeah. of responsibilities someone's <laughs> holding you accountable <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Okay. so
1: that's been a little little different to to get used to especially being back in school after i spent seven years out of school mm. so even coming back to school from from having such a long break from academics has been a transition too.
0: I can agree with that. Granted, I'm not in a master's program. I'm just doing this intense three week uh, Icelandic course. Mm-hmm. But the same thing, like when I came here, I was really nervous about it because I was like, I haven't been in school in a long time. And, you know, that feeling that you get of like going back to school and also not knowing exactly what's happening. Like you were mentioning in the US, you could map out like what you were going to do. It's yeah. like here, you can, someone else is. Dictating what's going on, right? So you're just sitting there and kind of <laughs> absorbing it, and then seeing how your mind adjusts to being back in this position of a, a pupil. It's yeah, strange,
1: but it's it's really cool. We have a diverse group here, and the cool thing about academics in school is it, it really doesn't matter where you come you've, you've mm-hmm. come from or where you worked or how many years you put in the industry yeah you're all learning the same material here yeah and having such a, a diverse group in terms of where people come from as well as age um, has been really refreshing because it feels almost pure in a way mm. where and in, in industry or in working world it's people have titles There's tenure and all these years, this hierarchy. And here it's, it's very much everybody's on the same page. And I I really enjoy that.
0: Great. That's good to hear. In terms of what you'll, you're studying, could you You mentioned it a little bit earlier, but could you just explain it to some degree, like what you're focusing on?
1: Yeah, so here I am in the Coastal Communities and Regional Development Program. Mm -hmm. And so it specifically focuses more on rural communities and how they kind of thrive and survive. And so why is this small town better than this small town? What can this small town do to improve their economy, mm-hmm. um, increase jobs, things like that. Okay. Um, I think of it from a transportation standpoint as well, since that's what my background is in. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think about how the transportation system goes into that as well. So it's really trying to understand communities um, as a whole. All okay. right. And so while previously I was just focused on transportation, I'm really interested in getting more involved in climate change and sea level rise and how to build resilient communities to the changes that are already occurring and the, the ones that are ahead, too.
0: Great. Okay. Are you planning to live in Iceland after? Like what, you know, in your mind, do you see yourself being like, okay, I mean, granted, I know you're new here. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those questions <laughs> that you'd probably be like, I have no idea. But is that on your radar... mean in terms of a place to settle down? I don't know it's a hard question. (laughs) Um,
1: So the first year is coursework in Iceland. Okay. Um, So I'll be here for that. Second year is writing a research paper thesis. I'll try and pick a location of where I want to live after this program. Yeah. I will say I'm slowly or rapidly falling in love with this place. Yeah. (laughs) I've just I've never lived in a town this small before. Yeah. And so even though I'm from a in quotation, small town in Texas, 20,000 people, yeah. <laughs> 2,500 people is a lot different, yeah. but there's a lot of perks and everybody is super nice. And even just being out here in the West fjords, there's no, there's no Amazon. I think you've mm-hmm. talked about this, uh, in some of your videos of, you can't just one click wonder <laughs> 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 it's true. and have it here in two days. It's, yeah. you really have to be resourceful mm-hmm. and you really have to rely on your community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you need a shovel, like just ask your neighbor. And so I've already found some of those things and just being, just building that community around you just based on resources versus in some other communities where you can avoid your neighbors mm-hmm. just by ordering it yourself or doing, doing it however you want to, yeah. you know, and here I don't, I don't think you can do that. And you really have to rely on your community around you.
0: Definitely. It's also helpful that you're a social person, it seems. I mean, (laughs) because you said that you're talking to people. And I I like when you mentioned that when you're cycling, that it was important for you to keep the habit going of talking with individuals and stuff. Because there are probably some people who are just like, so focused. But also, this for them is a solo journey. So they're just like so inside of themselves that they forget that there's a world out there and yeah. maybe that's why they have a hard time when it's over because mm-hmm. they now have to interact with the world. Yeah. But as a social person I feel like in a small town you'll you'll do fine because that's essentially what's how small towns keep together as they get together for social interactions. They're continuously doing things and if you don't get out there you become very lonely in a place like this
1: absolutely yeah and that's something i learned from from being on the road is you really have to put yourself out there and i was going through a, a lot a handful well, a lot of small towns in america yeah. where my only connection with them was i mean pre-covid it was warm showers hosts yeah and you you just get to hear these amazing stories of how people live in these smaller communities and Having lived in bigger cities the past few years of my life, San Francisco and Dallas and Fort Worth, it's, you kind of wonder, like, how do people live in these smaller communities? And that, that experience was really helpful for me because you can really invest so much in your community. And everyone here is so open to new ideas that yeah. the opportunity to do something is just, I mean, possibilities are endless yeah. in Agreed. a lot of ways. And that that's, that's what's attracting me yeah. to Issa Fierter and making me fall in love with this place because you can bring whatever idea you want to the table.
0: Yeah. It's great that you have a mountain bike because mountain biking is a really big thing here. I, have you heard? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've been trying out the trails a little bit. Nice. Okay.
1: But I, I, I've met a few other mountain bikers. I think there's a bike club or bike mm-hmm. group out here, but I haven't got too involved with them yet, but I, I plan to. Yeah.
0: And my friend... Björvin, who so I did an interview with Satu Ramo who's Finnish and she's been living in Iceland for almost twenty years. And her husband is setting up climbing routes. So if you're into climbing also, this is FYI. This like this is literally a playground for people. <laughs> so, yeah, and like cross country skiing in the winter, lots of activities. So I'm sure you'll find groups and, and keep Plenty busy yeah. on top of having to do your schoolwork. Well. <laughs> that too, of course. Yeah, that's, that's a struggle. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but I want to go outside today. I know. <laughs>
1: Especially with the Icelandic mindset of if it's if the sun's out, yeah, you, you have to
0: be outside. Which I encourage you to take that on. Yeah, because I did not my first summer, mm-hmm. and I regretted it. Yeah, later <laughs> learning that you know it really can just not happen. Summer could not happen. That happened in 2018, mm-hmm. where we didn't see the sun for I don't know how long, and it was raining almost continuously for whatever, like weeks. And when I did finally see the sun, it was one of those moments I was like, wow! <laughs> like, it's just like, I, my whole mood, everything changed, right. you know? And I was like, I'm never going to take this for granted again. Yeah. Never. Like, and working culture-wise, people here sometimes leave early from work. If mm-hmm. the weather is that good, mm-hmm. because you just never know. Yeah. So you're learning that early. <laughs> like you learned it in your, in your biking trip, basically. Yeah. Don't take it for granted. It's amazing how different you feel just having gotten out for an hour or two. Good um, to know. Yeah, regarding the Boston Marathon. Oh yeah. So I also, I also read that part. And yeah, since it's canceled in terms of people gathering in Boston to do the marathon, right? Anyone who's registered can do it wherever they are. Is that right? Correct. Okay. And uh, you're registered for the marathon? I am I
1: qualified last September? Okay. Outside of Seattle, Washington. Nice. My good buddy Matt, um, who's also running the Boston virtually. And so it was originally scheduled in April, and then they pushed it to September because of COVID, and then they eventually made it a virtual race. And so you get to choose where you run a marathon. (laughs) (laughs) And you're running it. And I'm running it here. Yeah. And so I originally thought if if it was in Boston in September, I wasn't going to be able to go just because it's such a... I just got here and it's a huge expense to go over there and so I wasn't planning to to run it in Boston and so it's it's really cool to still be able to run it and it's also amazing to be able to do it in this environment here yeah awesome Um, and so I've I've picked a route and so I think it'll kind of be centered on Issa Fjodor and I'll run south of town for like eight miles and I'll run north of town for the rest of it
0: okay and so it's... you're gonna have people along the way cheering you on if you told your friends like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <So laughs>
1: that's hopefully awesome hopefully all my classmates nice. uh, will be out on the road okay and, and so centering it on Issa Fjodor I can kind of Plan my breaks and right. people can cheer me on, and then I'll finish downtown East Sofia awesome. as well. Okay. <laughs> what
0: day is it that you're doing
1: that? So they give you a window, and okay. so it's between September seventh and fourteenth. Okay. And I'm not gonna pick my day because I'm gonna look at the weather. <laughs> <laughs> With some flexibility,
0: into okay. It. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, one of those days yeah, works out well. <laughs> hopefully, one of those days.
1: And so it's be next week, sup- September eighth, ninth, or thirteenth, okay. or something.
0: Nice. Well, I'll pay attention to your account and see when you're doing it, because I'm here until the thirteenth. Okay. So if I can come and cheer you on, I'd like to do that. Yeah, definitely. That'd be awesome. Yeah. My last question for you mm-hmm. is. What is your favorite Icelandic word or phrase? Yeah. I know you're really new here, <laughs> and so we can change it up if you don't have one.
1: And so, no, I'm. Uh, this is a great question, <laughs> and so there was a week long crash course in Icelandic okay. uh, before school started. Yep. And I was kind of on the fence about signing up for it, um, having to bike all the way here and not really sure how I'd be feeling when I arrived. And so, unfortunately, it was full by the time oh. I made the decision that I could probably do it. Okay. So, my Icelandic skills aren't that great. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the phrase that I resort to is, and I'm probably going to butcher this a little bit, so I apologize in advance, is talafuensku. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Which he's saying talafuensku. Yeah. Do you speak English? English. Yes. yes. Which is a great question. Yeah. <laughs> Especially since, I mean, when you meet people, do they speak to you in, in Icelandic to start with? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is nice. And then I... That they assume that you know. Right. Yeah. But
1: yeah. And then so I we quickly transitioned to English. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which is fine. And hopefully when you're here, you'll get to pick up something. I you know you're right. focusing on school, but the people here are pretty nice. The only problem is sometimes Icelanders like to practice their English. Oh, yeah. So they'll be more inclined to speak English <laughs> that, with you? That happened the other day. I, yeah. was, uh,
1: I helped move some fish off a boat the other day. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. And I speak speaking English yeah. the whole time. Because the Icelander was like, oh, I can work on my English.
0: Yeah. It's so, <laughs> <laughs> pretty hilarious. They're just like, this could be a two way street. Yeah. Which <laughs> so. is great. You know, we, you know, learn from each other. Yeah. And if people want to keep up with you and what you're doing, because you're obviously a very active individual. Physically, you're active, and now you're in school doing things. Mm -hmm. So if they wanted to keep up with what you're doing, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, I'm on Instagram, tjwack, W-A-C-K. I enjoy photography, posting updates of what we're learning in class and kind of what I'm going through. It's kind of the way I document my things. And then, if you are interested in outdoor activities, running and biking, I'm on Strava. Okay. And you can find me there, just Tyler Wacker, W-A-C-K-E-R, and you can see all the runs that I do and all the biking that I do in the area. It's a great way for people to see like what trails are out there and mm-hmm. where people run here. And so, I've already used it to to figure out where to run
0: yeah. around here. So, so have you been using other? Icelanders or whoever's in the areas uh, routes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So that you cool. can see
1: where people go and everything has no. been been helpful.
0: Nice. Um, I, I've never used it. I only heard of it. Yeah, so that's pretty cool that you have that at yeah. your disposal. Yeah.
1: Oh. And then you just hear about routes too, like the the old road to mm-hmm. perfect for biking and running. And so that's part of my marathon course awesome. next week. Nice. Yeah, it's a, it's a gorgeous route right on the right on the ocean. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing.
0: Great. Well, Tyler, I thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you about this fantastic journey that you <laughs> went on and are still on, right? Like this yeah. just transitioned into something else. Right. But uh, it's pretty cool that you made the journey from California in a very, you know, scenic way to Isafjord in the Fjords. Yeah, well, absolutely. Thanks for
1: having me. Thanks for taking the time to talk.
0: My pleasure.